Hi guys, so this is our last episode for now where we talk about King David and there's lots to unpack. Well, not a lot, but you know, enough to fit in like 12 minutes. So I'm just going to give you three basic summaries and then we're going to get into what I want to talk about. Okay, so we're looking at chapter 27, 28, 29, chapter 30, right? Chapter 27, what happens? David goes and starts to live in the land of the Philistines because he had he didn't know what to do anymore because he was like, if I keep running from this soul guy, he's going to catch me and like I'm going to die. So he goes and he lives with the Philistines for a year and four months and Saul stops pursuing him. Chapter 28, very exciting chapter. Saul has a woman perform a forbidden ritual for him because God won't talk to him, right? Chapter 29, Philistines reject David and they're like, hey, you can't come with us on this battle that we are embarking on, right? Chapter 30, there's a hostage situation. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so we're going to dedicate, let's say, a couple of minutes for each. Not a couple, like two, but a few. So we're just going to like hop, hop, hop. And I hope like you're going to get the picture that I'm trying to draw. Okay. And I have a special announcement at the end. So stay tuned. Right? Or you can fast forward if you don't want to know what happened. But I'm very excited about these stories. So, what happened here is that King David, well, I don't know why I keep calling him King David, but we know him as King David. So he's King David, although back then he was just David. He wasn't the king yet. But he'd been, you know what, I digress. So, what happened was he grew tired, in my opinion, of running away from Saul and so he decided that he was going to live in the land of the Philistines and he lived in the land of the Philistines for a year and four months and during that period he was the servant of the king he did ask the king though to take him to another city because he didn't think he was worthy of living with the king and that's what happened and him and his men all lived there and they would go and like um what was the word that they used ambush yeah I think that's what they used raid raid they used to raid other towns and leave no one alive men women children everyone will be dead right he was on a conquest right fun fact is that to this day the territory that's near the philistinian territory where uh david was living became and is still a uh, land belonging belonging to the land of israel to the kingdom of israel right really really cool um but anyway so here we see um david raiding lots of towns lots of places killing lots of people and the reason why he didn't want to leave a person alive is because they didn't want he didn't want them to be singing songs about him which is like crazy so he would literally leave neither man nor man man nor woman alive and he would take away the sheep oxen donkeys and camels and the garments and come back to akish akish is the king of the philistines at the time and even when the king would ask where have you made a raid today david would say against the negev of judah or the negev of the jerahamites or the negev of the kenites right and he wouldn't leave anyone alive because he didn't want them to have anything to say about him right i really don't know though like i'll look it up i don't know why he killed so many people and like spoiler or whatever but you know i'm sure people know this but one of the reasons why david wasn't allowed by god to build the temple was because he had so much blood on his hands and that's why he had to leave it to his son right anyway next story right um david no Saul, sorry and the medium of endor so 
as we know already from like the mosaic laws uh, there were certain uh, rituals that were not allowed and necromancy was one of them so what happened was the philistines decided to attack israel yet again i don't know what beef these people had but they were always attacking each other right Saul finds this out and he prays to god god doesn't speak to him the bible says that he doesn't answer him by dreams or by urim or by prophets he didn't like speak to god just was like you know what read your silence from me so then like Saul thought what do i do so he went to this medium and the funny thing is that after Saul had died, after Samuel had died, Saul sent all these mediums out and they were living literally in oblivion. Right? They weren't allowed to practice any of these things at all. Then he goes back on his word and asks a medium to raise Saul back from the dead because he needed advice because he's like, God won't speak to me anymore. Like, what do I do? So what happens is that he goes there and this medium is like, what are you trying to do? Like, you know Saul said this isn't allowed, right? And then um, Saul is like, don't worry about it. I'm not going to snitch, right? And then she raises Samuel from the dead, sees Samuel and realizes Saul's the one who's here, right? Cries out and Saul's like, just wait, okay? Trust the process, right? Then he asks Samuel why God has forsaken him. And Samuel obviously is really mad because he says, hey, why are you bringing me back up? I'm resting here, Right? And then he says, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me for the Lord has for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David, because you do not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce, sorry, his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hands of the Philistines. Right? So, as you can see here, like it's over for Saul. Like his death has been prophesied. And we're not going to cover it today, right? But like he then dies. Like him, all of his sons, including Jonathan, they all die. Right, like in the battle that's to come, and so um, that's what happens here. And then he, <laughs> Samuel goes back and he's like, "Goodbye, right? See you, right?" Then the Philistines, uh, the Philistinian army, who have obviously become very familiar with David because he slayed a lot of them, um, then question why the king has allowed David to come and fight. Right? And the king is like, he's been living with me for days and years. Like, what's the problem? I have not found any fault with him. And they have, and they're angry and they said, send the man back, send the man back, and he may re that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go with us to battle, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this? David, of whom they sing to one another in dances. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. So Achish was like, David, I can't do anything about it. The Lord does not want you to fight here, because you'll be fighting your own people. So, like, sorry, right? And yes, that happens. He goes, whatever. He's not allowed to fight. It's very, very simple, right? Then, 
The next thing is his wives are captured. So he gets back from where he's been sent and everyone is gone in his little town, Ziklag, where he, the town that he'd been given by the king, right? And now they have to like gather forces and go and get those women and children back. And like people were so devastated, they cried until they couldn't cry anymore, right? And David was like, okay, cool, right? Let's go get this, right? So he um, goes and then there's a, a group of 200 people, right? Who stayed behind. And this was because he, they were too tired. Yes, they were too exhausted to cross the brook. So they stayed behind and they kept people's stuff, right? And it says in the Bible that David fought these people from twilight until the night to follow. And he killed them all, right? Except for 400 men who got onto their horses and they fled, right? Fantastic. Right, and then he goes on there. Um, did I leave something? Yes, and then he goes back and he gets everyone and everything back. It says that nothing, no small thing, no big thing was missing. He got everyone and everything back and he gave it to the owners. Right, then interesting thing happens. Now the rest of the army have gotten things. They even gave David and they said, wow, right? Hero, right? Um, you can take this stuff. And then they get back to the 200 men who were too tired to cross and try to like deprive them of the things that they had, you know, the spoils of the war, saying he didn't come and fight with us. So why should you get anything? And David said, no, that's not how things work here. These people were protecting our things. And so he made it a law and legislation. Anyone who was part of the battle, be it taking care of people, fighting, keeping stuff safe, everyone gets the spoils after the war. And he made it a law. And it's apparently still applies like to this day. That if you go to battle, doesn't matter where you were in the battle and you weren't even fighting, you get something because you contributed. Which I think is really normal, right? And that's it. That's it. So now what do we learn? There's this passage that I want to read for you, and I hope it doesn't take five minutes. But, like, I found it, like, very, like, great for, like, this last episode. So hear me out. It says, when life implodes. The story of David at Ziklag is a story about the faithfulness of God. God's complete restoration of the families and possessions taken by the Amalekites. Those are the people who kidnapped the wives and the kids, including David's wife, Right? lends this scene as almost cinematic quality. It is the happy ending we want for all our stories. Indeed, there will be a happy ending for every story the believer inhabits, though we do not presently see how this could be. What makes the happy ending of Ziklag so remarkable is that God restores what was lost when life looked utterly hopeless. Exhausted by Saul's relentless persecution, David had sought relief by sheltering among the Philistines. Yet even there he was rejected. Although David had earned the confidence of the Philistinian king, Achish, the Philistine generals uh, did not trust him. He was sent away despite being, uh, as Achish put it, as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. It would only get worse. Returning dejectedly to his camp at Ziklag, David discovered that the camp had been destroyed and all the women and children captured. Staring at the ashes of Ziklag, he must have wondered how his life could go from bad to worse so thoroughly and quickly. Not only this, but his own people now turned against him. 
against him, wanting to stone him. Yeah, that happened in verse 6 of chapter 30. 1. 30, 30. Yes, 30. Um, um, what was left to do? Only one thing. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. With every human source of solace taken out from under him, there was nothing left for him to do but to turn to the Lord. It is clear that David did indeed trust in the Lord in that moment. For when he had successfully rescued his wives and children, while some of his comrades spoke of the spoil that we have recovered, David corrected them. He spoke of what the Lord had given them. He had preserved them and given into their hand the band that came against them. Look at this, never forgetting that God exists. Fantastic content. <laughs> While life implodes, we have a choice. We, when life implodes, I have a choice, sorry. <laughs> Two paths lie open before us. We can crumple in defeat and despair, wallowing in self-pity, or we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord, banking everything on what we say we believe. What we are now, sorry, what we now, perhaps for the first time, are being forced to truly believe. Yesterday, yet we today have far more abundant reason to trust in the Lord than David had. For we see David's greater son, Jesus Christ, crucified and raised. We know with utterly with utter certainty that when life falls apart, it is not a punishment for our sin. Jesus took care of that. Our adversity can only be for our ultimate good, sent from a loving father. Right. So I guess to end off this little series, um, I'd love to say that if there's anyone that you can hold as a role model in the Bible, it has to be King David. I don't think there's anyone with better qualities than King David. He was so patient, so kind, so humble, very ruthless, but like only on the battlefield, only on the battlefield. In other aspects, in other areas, he was very, very soft, very, well, he wasn't very quick to respond. And I think those are things that we should want to have. If you were to parallel him, like with Saul, Saul would be exactly what we don't want to be. They would have qualities that we don't want to have, and he would definitely be someone that we don't want to, you know, emulate at all. And so, I guess what I have to say to you guys is be like King David and less like King Saul. So, for now, we're done with King David. Um, I hope you got something from this. I really had fun reading these stories. Um, not consistent with uploads, but you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> 